PLO. Hey, Billy. Hey, give me a sec. I got you on the. There you go. Gonna give us too much feedback if I've got it on speakers. That's all right. So it's a Friday night free for all. I am excited. Uh, me too. I am putting the link out to a lot of groups and individuals okay. right now. And it's basically like fishing. So we're just going to see who pops in. How have you been doing, Billy? I've been doing all right. Just uh, watched most of uh, Birds of Prey with uh, Liz and Robbie. Let's break that movie down a little bit. Okay. I think, I think Margot Robbie did a fantastic job in that movie. I think the writing was terrible. Well, I was in and out for it a lot, so I didn't get to make I, – I wouldn't be able to make as uh, informed uh, an opinion on that. Uh, but, I mean, it was fun. It did have – as far as – if you say the writing was terrible, it did have kind of – oh, wait, what's, what's the laugh on that? The writing was terrible. Ah! <laughs> Wait, we have another opinion. What was your opinion? Uh, it was it was definitely corny, definitely cheesy, and it was I don't know. It kind of it was a little bit of Guido humor, like okay. is that Harley's accent. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think Margot Robbie did a great job acting. They did a terrible job directing and a terrible job writing. I think she just nailed it, but at the same time, it was not. It was not a good role for her. I just say I really, really loved the movie. Well, yeah, I mean, like if you like, if you like campy sort of DC comics, that this is the movie for you. But at the same time, it's like, uh, it's hard not to cringe at it. In, in, I I have not seen a whole lot of movies like that, other than the Kill Bill trilogy, where it really demonstrates the various ways that unconscious bias and implicit sexism like kind of hangs around in society. I mean, there was more overt sexism as we developed with the mob boss, but I mean, and well, I don't want I mean, to give it like points for, for good writing when that's the thing that I'm praising because there was definitely a lot of like 80s cop references, <laughs> but it kind of made fun of itself as it went. It did make fun of itself. And I, I, I had a lot of fun with it making fun of itself <laughs> as much as I had fun with it, everything else about the, the movie. It was it was fun. I liked the action sequences. I just feel like they didn't they didn't do a good job of breaking up the action sequences correctly because like as you saw, like they jumped around a lot in the movie, it right? Yeah, they're choreographer. Whoa. No, that's what I'm saying. Like the end fight sequence was amazing. I think they should have broken that end fight sequence up a little bit more to put more focus on it. You know what I mean? So like as they're jumping around, they could have put that end fight sequence, which was just fantastic in a lot of different parts in the movie, just to show like the big hits that they were getting and all the all the different stuff. Because the way that they broke it down, it was all sort of like focused around Margot Robbie's uh, development as a character when they could have gone with the development as an action hero, you know what I mean? That's sort of where I, I got thrown off. It's like, you could do so much more with just the acting you got out of her, because she did a great job, I think. 
you know, and and that was actually one of Robin's comments. She was like, "Man, the 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 description for this movie made it sound a lot more like a group of action heroes getting together <laughs> to, you know." I don't remember reading too many descriptions of it, but I do remember like before I saw the movie. That's kind of when I went what in, went into the movie expecting. That's how kind of how I remember it being sold. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was her kicking ass, right? And that that I think that was the main focus of the movie. They should have kept it that way, but instead it was like, oh look, here's her at her low point. It's like, no, hold on a second. Her character development is how many people can I hit in the face with a bat? You know, that's really what it's about. That's that's the feeling I got at least. Oh, and by the way, this is Liz. Everybody, this is uh, uh, Billy's girlfriend. She's chiming Hi. in. I'm the lizard. So, <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. I'm seeing if anybody's uh, taking the bait. If uh, anybody yeah. listening who's curious if she's one of the lizard people, yes, she is. She has confirmed it for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> she she stole the identity of the real Liz Hudak sometime in Chile. How long ago? It was two years ago now. Two years ago. Maybe a little more. Okay. Two and a half years. All right, guys, I'm part of a uh, uh, group where they might have some Nazis. You want me to invite them? I'd have some Nazis? Yeah. I mean, do we... It's a free-for-all, dude. You can you can say whatever you want to do to the Nazis. I, I probably will. <laughs> okay. Here we go. I'm posting oh, the link. Here we go. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, these these guys will, will definitely take it in stride. I don't think they have any sort of insecurity, so you can call them a Nazi, and they'll be like, yes, so. <laughs> All right. The, By the way, the link is out, out, of the, uh, out of the office. All right. I'm, I'm sending it over to the Swiss, too. Swiss Country Ball, uh, I, I'm sending him a link. Maybe he'll click on it. It's like 3 in the morning over there, so I doubt he'll click on it. Swiss Country Ball was like the only one who liked any of my comments on the uh, Anarchy Ball Twitter. Yeah, dude. Uh, Swiss Country Ball is the man. Dude, you know how much like anarcho-capitalism has in common with like the Swiss model of uh, governance? Tell me. All right, so Switzerland isn't really a country and what i mean by that is every election all the counties they're called by a different name over there but all the counties get to vote on whether or not to stay in the union or not could you imagine that every election you get to vote on whether or not you're still part of the united states okay so instead of being like oh we have, we want to secede and there being war it's like no no instead every every uh election cycle you've got to decide whether you want to keep this union that's that's a i i kind of I, I have never heard that i'm gonna look into that more yeah, that's a good idea yeah they're called cantons and the canton model is really close to what anarcho-capitalists want where you opt in instead of struggle and shoot and kill and and maim to try and opt out well, if if if, right. if the if instead of 
uh, it's assumed that it is going to stay as it is, and the the country is going to be what it is. It's uh, the onus is put onto the country to make the smaller locales desire to stay in that union. Then it's it's going to make for uh, a, a better broad government. It's, Right. So Swiss Country Ball is on the Instagram page talking about all of the issues that are up for the vote. They are very much in favor of um, not voting directly on uh, personalities who represent a certain idea, may or may not. They're more about direct democracy where you get to vote on issues like should we buy more fighter jets should we you know whatever so these voter initiatives are what these people are interested in and a lot less about personalities right okay so they're directly voting on the issues more so yes right so they are voting directly on the issues they don't leave it up to the politicians to decide because switzerland started out as a bunch of different clans that said, hey, we want to keep to ourselves, but at the same time, we don't want to be involved in all these wars in Europe, and we also don't want to be involved in wars between each other. So they developed Switzerland, which was just the cantons that can secede at any time they feel like it. So it was a, a union born in animosity towards each other and distrust, which you need to have if you're going to preserve your liberty. So, a thousand years later, they didn't participate in World War I, they didn't participate in World War II, they have the highest standard of living in the entire world, and they have the highest uh, income in the world. And guess what their uh, minimum wage is? Uh, dude, they they don't have one, right? You're right. Yeah, they don't have a minimum wage, but they have the highest income in the world. Period. So unfortunately, turns out incentives work, and less than one third of the country is unionized yet. They have extremely high wages, which we're told in the U.S. the only reason why we have higher wages than starving is because of unions. Turns out that's not the case. Turns out it's competition that drives wages up. Now, one of the things that are on the menu for the Swiss election is uh, whether or not they want to keep the, the EU immigration standards. If they want to jettison the EU immigration standards as a nation using the uh, voter initiative ballot, then guess what? It's gone. They're not part of the EU anymore. It's a uh, swexit. Swexit. I can't say that. Can you say swexit? Swetsin? What, what, what is the word? You know how you have Brexit? This would be a swexit. Okay. Swexit. Well, I, I'm... Is I'm I'm I'll be honest. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Um, its first line on it is Switzerland is not a member state. It is associated with the union through a series of bilateral treaties. So, yeah, that sounds like Switzerland. But I did also see some news reports looking at it though, about talking about the that vote to uh, uh, ending free movement within the EU. 
So right now, here's the issue: every canton has their own immigration policy. They cannot comply with EU immigration policy because every canton decides how many people is coming in or going out, or not going out. You can leave, but you can't come in without canton approval. Is this is this vote that they're having um, uh, voting whether to allow the free movement into and within Switzerland from EU EU members? Or uh, right, that's that's where the that's where the whole immigration uh, issue lies. Is if you're an EU member in France, you can travel into Switzerland and not have any problems associated with immigration because the EU membership gives you free access to all the EU member states. So if one of the EU member states is saying, hey, guess what? We're letting in all the immigrants we can possibly handle, like Germany. All of those immigrants can say, we're going to Switzerland. That's a problem, right? That takes all the immigration ability out of the hands of the cantons. I want to decentralize it even more than the cantons where I say, well, why can't each neighborhood, why can't each block of that neighborhood have some sort of say in this thing? And why can't each individual have some kind of a say on to how much is going on or how much is not going on? That would be the anarchist position. But again, the, the overlap here is that it's decentralized down to the level of county which would be the canton. I think that's one of the reasons why they've surpassed the rest of the world is they've decentralized and allowed people to make their own decisions. And a lot of the things when you've got people, a lot of the things you're describing are just, you know, basically saying, hey, if we make incentive to do things well, let's then things are going to be going well. They've been giving the incentive for the more broad government of Switzerland to behave in a way that is reasonable towards the cantons by giving that um, that separation that's not that uh, that super glue that, say, the federal government here is. They've got some choice right. to say, hey, we don't like the way you're doing this, so we are no longer part. Yeah. And... Uh... I think we got one guest coming on. Uh, Liberty Chad is saying there's some issue. So he's uh, clicking through and trying to figure that out. This is the guy who wants to talk about. No, this is the anarcho warlordism guy. Oh, okay. It's not Nazis. This is more like Conan the Barbarian, which is fun. This this is the anarcho warlordism guy? Yeah, he wants to defend it. I think that's a. a... Oh, here we go. Chad, how you doing? Chad, how's it going? Can you hear us? I'm in. I can hear y'all. What's up? Nice. This is a Friday free-for-all. Uh, we want to hear about anarcho-warlordism. Anarcho-warlordism. It's the vibest ideology on the right side of politics, <laughs> dude. It's just... The, it's the only ideology, dude. It's just leave me the fuck alone. Let me build my little castle and build a wall around it. Please don't Waco me. Like, 
just let me do my thing. If I want to have a feudal estate run solely on weed production, I should have the right to. And I should be able to hire feudal knights to defend my weed farm. That's that's a basic human right in my mind. Well, uh, I think what you're trying to get at is the tribal aspect, right? And a lot of people ignore the tribal aspect of familial relationships. And I've sort of grown in my understanding when it comes to tribalism by studying what's called Zir. Have you ever heard of Zir? I'm, I'm almost certain that's one of the new gender pronouns. <laughs> You're close. No, this is the uh, system of laws based in Somalia where they don't have a government, they have an insurance program. So... Your tribe insures you against any damages you do to other people from other tribes, right? So let's say you take your four-wheeler out and you're hot-rodding and you hit 16 of somebody else's goats as you're jumping a sweet fucking cliff, right? As you smash those goats... The process of paying off those goats is already in the process. Because your tribe has insured you against damaging anyone else. They re reimburse the members of the other tribe based off of the damage that you've done to them. And then you have to stand trial to figure out if you're worthy of continuing insuring. You know, weirdly enough, <laughs> that sounds a lot like how prison gangs operate. Because I've watched a lot of like former convict YouTubers talking about extended periods of time they spent incarcerated. And a lot of what they These said are what about racial like, gangs are. Yeah. Well, a lot of what they would do was like, like lower ranking members of racial gangs would never interact with each other. If one of them stole from somebody, they wouldn't go get revenge. They would go to their, whoever the OG of their racial gang is, and they would talk to the OG of the other gang and square it that way. And then they would have to That's answer exactly to their gang right. about what they had transgressed the other race or the other gang about. In the case of Somalia, it's all about familial relationships. In the case of the prison gangs, they want quickly, easily identifiable markings that allow them to know which gang you belong to. You've got the uh, Black Gorilla family. You've got MS-13. You've got the Aryan Nation. Right? Black, Latino, white. So, when you're part of those structures, you have to be insured through the other people who are higher ranking to uh, continue to function safely. Right? It's, it's the combination of a shakedown where the people of your own race are shaking you down to get you into line and... And to uh, fund the rest of the gang and also to make sure that there's less conflict that doesn't injure them between the uh, racial gangs. Very much a tribal concept. The idea of insurance goes back very, very, very long. If you fuck up some other gang's shit, your gang is going to want to avert any open warfare. So anarcho-warlordism, I think, would be about uh, 
facilitating tribal relationships. Tribal relationships not only within the group, but also between the groups. Well, the thing, too, that's <laughs> common between prison gangs and a familial tie is neither one of them is ever entered into consensually. You're either born into the family tie or you're kind of forced into the prison gang. But with this, it's open market competition between different little quasi-feudal estates. So what makes it right. and uh, what makes it anarcho-warlordism? What where's the war part of it going on? Is this is it actually? It's about who has the sweetest guns. Yeah, no, it's yeah, obviously, it's just it's just a better name than anarcho-feudalism. I don't know. It it, it it's it, it it tends to turn me off first hearing Anna. the word. Like it, it sounds like it's more trying to perpetuate a lot of the things that I I personally find myself to be an anarchist because I'm against. But it doesn't the the, the term anarcho feudalism doesn't really bring that same thought to my mind, and it it just makes me think. What is That's, the war? Are you expecting? You're trying to perpetuate? Well, I guess anarcho feudalism would be a better name for it because it's almost closer to like Japanese feudalism than European feudalism, where the, they would have armies not to attack each other, but to defend whatever area they held as their feudal estate. And they were trained warriors, but they were never sent out to conflict. And then they were sort of had almost a Republican overarching leader that would sometimes they could align with when they chose to, to fight bigger battles. So I think Anarcho-feudalism is probably a better term for it, definitely. Well, again, like the the different terms of uh, feudalism are very, very myriad. You've got African feudalism, you've got uh, European feudalism, you've got Indian feudalism, you've got a lot of different systems with a lot of different castes and a lot of different structures, right? So when you're saying anarcho-warlordism, I feel that that implies a much more generic structure. A warlord isn't necessarily out there brutalizing and slaying everybody else, but he does have a big gun and you don't want to fuck with him. Yeah, it's it's Teddy Roosevelt big stick policy. Right. And now now a warlord might also be able to uh, better negotiate than a feudal prince because a feudal prince has a lot of other customs attached to his office. That goes back to the feudalism of Europe where, you know, a feudal lord is chosen by the priesthood class, right? So they might want to choose a weak leader because that weak leader is going to give in to the demands of the church more so than the immediate demands of protection. Yeah, and there's so you know, I, there's still competition because you're not, like I said, you're not bonded to whatever tribe you're born into. You can move around, and people with different skills yeah. go to different not tribes in Europe like that. Yeah, not right. in Europe. Like in Europe, you you are not allowed to move because you're part of a feudal estate. Yeah. So, I think uh, having the ability to move around would change the dynamic, which is why I want to avoid the term feudalism, because feudalism implies directly that you're not able to move from a state to a state. Yeah, it you implies, are stuck certainly. On the land. Right. 
And I think a lot of people don't want to think of themselves as feudal serfs, despite the fact that we have a banking cartel that is basically castrating the entire fucking country as we speak. You want to leave America? Too fucking bad. DHS is going to prevent that. Yeah, there's no competition. No, nowhere on earth isn't ruled by someone. That's it's really weird to think about, but there is literally no piece of land you could go to that you are not owned by someone at that point. Well, we don't exactly know what's going on on East Sentinel Island. I think that's what it's well, called. Well, yeah, but you're you going to get immediately murdered when you go there. Exactly, and you're supposed to because they don't want to be ruled. Yeah. They've learned the history of, they've learned the lessons of history without experiencing them. Yep. Everyone who <laughs> says we can't beat the U.S. government with AR-15s, they literally don't even have clothing yet, and they have not been invaded one time. So they have something going on over there that we need to get on board with. Yeah, I think the East Sentinelese need to be imported. These are the group of people we need to radicalize we need, H, local population. we need H2B visas for North Sentinel Island inhabitants so they can teach us how to defend ourselves. <laughs> Do you know about the story, Billy? I, 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 I'm sure I, a lot of our I, listeners I, I, don't. You, you mentioned Sentinel Island, and I, I'm reading about it right now. I am not familiar. <laughs> All right, Chad, give us a brief history of what happens if you're a fucking uh, missionary so, yeah, on North so, Sentinel Island. I don't remember. It was, it, I think it was like a couple years ago. This dude, there, so there's this little remote island. I don't know. where. It's either like right off the coast of Australia or New Zealand. And it's never, no one's ever explored it. Because everyone who sets foot on the island, the indigenous tribe who lives there literally kills them with spears and bows and arrows the moment they get on the beach. Like even little vessels that try to get close to photograph, they start shooting arrows at them from the shoreline. North Sentinelese, do not fuck around. You are fucking prey. And I'm sure cannibalism might still thrive there because I mean, no uh, way the to way know. they shoot we, these we arrows. We have no information about what goes on there. There was a missionary a couple of years ago who showed up on the island to try and spread the word of Jesus Christ. And I believe he had some sort of uh, camera apparatus and a uh, satellite phone where he was sending images back. And the first thing you see is a bunch of dudes coming out there with bows and arrows. And that's it. Sorry, you're gone. I don't think there's any more evidence either because they probably ground his bones into dust and they ate his flesh. Well, yeah. They, they weren't sending anybody to go get the body. They would have just gotten killed too. So, just not worth fucking around with. I think that's that's a, you know, Mick, uh, Mick Landmines and uh, North Sentinelese are very important parts of anarchism. That's That's part of the warlord aesthetic. Right? You come here, you try and fuck around, we're going to show you what it means to fuck around, and you're not going to be able to report any more after that point. I think that's more of the aesthetic than the actual relationship, because I think it is important to keep channels of communication open. Well, at the same time, people need to know that if things go bad, 
you won't have a chance to explain yourself. I just, I got, I still got to ask about. We, we've gone back to the war, warlord as being the the word that we want to use because it it implies something better than feudalism. But I still hear the word warlord, and and it's got the word lord right in there as someone who is with the power of with the uh, the. The, the, the power of force that they wield is able to offer protection to the residents of this feudal estate. And it still sounds to me like just much smaller governments. And well, I mean, a, a warlord is really just like the CEO of war for that area. Like he just sort of runs that independent war faction. He... It's more of an ability than an action. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, competing ideas when it comes to war for instance if if i was going to take a um uh, art of war approach to being a warlord it would definitely be a much more attractive market for the people who are looking to avoid conflict right if you're looking for a much more african form of warfare through uh direct physical deterrence that's probably going to cost you a lot more money to uh, complete. So the idea of being a warlord goes to all aspects of psychology and spirituality that play into it, right? I mean, I, I look at myself and I say, well, you know, could I deter a enemy from attacking with his full might? just through certain symbols and signs that would cause him to rethink his decision to invade. I, I see that as more of a, a warlord stance, right? If you can cause someone to change their mind before the attack, then you've won the battle without fighting. And yeah, not, honestly, like a little higher up point than that, the warlord doesn't even have to be the ruling entity of the area. The warlord could just be a contractor for whatever system has been established for that little feudal estate or whatever we end up calling it. When if and if you have theoretical word. if you have if you're going for if you have the ability to sell this type of skill, then it creates a environment where. Uh, monopolization sort of becomes impossible because you can even play off of your competition's strengths and weaknesses. It's all about area defense, not necessarily about man-to-man -man defense. So you could actually benefit from a warlord who is incredibly capable at psychological defense and offense. See what, see what you mean? I, mean? I just don't so see how it fits these into being a form of anarchy. I can see it as something like a, 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 a something some a group of people would choose to do voluntarily, and if it's if it benefits them, and they want to have a wheat farm, and you want to be able to say, "Yeah, I'm I'm able to protect my wheat farm, and I can I can prove that." It, it, but well, this, it doesn't. It, I, I this don't goes, see how it's a form of anything different. I understand what you're saying. I understand, or just anarchy in general. As I, I really, I understand where you're coming from. But uh, with my military experience, I think uh, I I see things a little bit differently 
when you're talking about doing operations, any operations, right? Trading, moving uh, resources from one location to another, the very first and most primary thing you need to do is have a point of contact, right? That point of contact becomes your um, method of opening up different markets, becomes your method of opening up different uh, channels so of communication. You're almost analogous to governments. Then instead of removing warlordism, for let's no, remove no. the anarcho. Well, here's the thing. If if one group is better at, at conveying the uh, message than another, you're going to go with that, causing them to gain in strength. If that group also has subcontracts with other groups who might not be within their uh, realm of influence, then it becomes more of a compact. You see what I'm saying? So the compact becomes sort of like a mutual benefit. So one group of people over here has a compact where their point of contact uh, communicates directly with the warlord over here because they found that communication works better through that person. I can, I can definitely same idea see as buying shoes up with like a ton of mega corporation warlords though. Like as we're, as we're talking it out, I can totally see how this will just end up being like a balkanized government of five or six huge military companies, essentially. It could, but at the same time, there would have to be, uh, an outlet for people who are not satisfied with that. Now, if you're trying to um, influence everyone on a direct level and looking to monopolize the industry, you're going to have to keep buying these other resources, i.e. Uh, defense, up at a markup so that you can monopolize the market or you can allow them to continue to exist and still communicate on friendly terms with them. You see what I'm saying? There's a benefit to allowing government down to just being the military. And yes, I understand your military experience, but your military experience has been for the U.S. military and working as the 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 the, the arm of the government that is literally its its most. Uh, biggest example of being a monopoly on force and and what uh chad had said about it likely getting to five or six warlords is 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 the fear that i have about it it, it it's going to progress into close to the system we've got now maybe 50 100 i don't know but years but a governmental structures or structures of society do progress and this one seems like it's too likely to evolve into a, a, a very powerful uh, smaller powerful government structures that are more focused on the military well i think i think what you're talking about is devolving into a licensing structure because oh. the licensing structure of the government the licensing structure is what gives them the ability to confirm or reject anybody who license agrees or disagrees. License is something on paper, but right. you're coming from so the point of view uh, with uh, uh, previous podcasts of 
spirituality being important to remember uh, in that my in that view, I don't see the license right. mattering, whatever they call it, whatever the fuck it's called. If it's close enough to what I'm against, I'm still against it. Well, licensing is a sigillation process. Do you, you know about sigils in um, yeah. um, creating a spell? I have All no right. idea. What so a corporate. Okay, a, a sigil is a symbol that represents many different ideas mashed into one. This is what they talk about in chaos magic, right? So if you're talking about a corporate structure, they have this uh, sigillation of uh, copyrights and uh, contracts where they create a corporate entity, right? Now, corporate is a group of people becoming one, right? So... You've got the corporate entity becoming this thing that people have to interact with in their daily lives, right? Walmart, uh, Target. I can get Northern behind Brown, a logo being analogous instance, to right? a sigil. That, that... It is. It absolutely is, right? So what, what they're trying to do is trying to make an identifiable mark on your memory. Right, so that you keep coming back to that same sigil. That's all we're talking sigil, about. Whatever when it, comes it is, to is defense. still what it is, regardless of what you call it. Yeah, right. I mean, what you want is you want people to have good experiences associated with this sigil. You get out, you get in, you get out. It's fast, it's convenient, it's efficient, it's cheap. Right? These are the things you want associated with the sigil that you've created through the state. Now, you take it back a level. How do we make people feel comfortable sigilizing themselves and their groups that are trying to create a profit through a warlord? How does that happen? Well, those warlords have to start cooperating war, 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 on some war, level war to recognize each other's sigils. Together form a, 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 enough of a, a, an image in my mind that I could call it a sigil. The word warlord and basing your structure of uh, society on a warlord seems to me that just the quote-unquote sigil of the word warlord is going to perpetuate the warmongering attitude. Okay, well, think about it as a sigil of deterrence, right? Let's say a, a warlord is more of a uh, private security firm. Now, private security firms don't brutalize the customers of the people that they're serving, right? You've got Northrop fucking security that goes around to all these different places and makes sure that there's nothing bad going on. I don't see any difference between that and a warlord. I mean, it's a corporation. It's been corporealized into the sigil of protection, right? That's that's why all these, uh, uh, you know, security guards have all these stupid badges, all of their stupid uniforms. You know? They're trying to evoke the idea that we're sort of like police. That's where they're going with it. It's kind of like warlordism. And if you think about it, what they're trying to do is they're trying to tap into the idea that these 
police have authority, therefore we have authority too, since we're close to well, police. Well, the issue then is if that original authority is taken away, what are they supposed to project without actually being brutal themselves? Because that's what people are scared of with the police is getting right. fucked up and getting like a baton to the head for smelling sort of like weed. So what is that force behind the Mick warlords that they feed off of and they catch the they use to uh, influence people? I think it becomes sigillation, right? You have to show people the sigils of authority, the ones that they connect with. Well, if they, but if there's right? not any that they, they connect, connect with, with anymore, those sigils. once the state is gone and it is McWarlordism, they don't have those sigils of the police anymore after a generation or two. Oh, humans, humans are a fountain of symbology, right? Every culture has its own fountain of just symbols pouring out on all sides. If you want to talk about, let's say, uh, Wisconsin, right? Don't want you to could, talk you about could say, oh, right BLM, now. security no, force. <laughs> right? You've got, you've got BLM security force that is a private contractor defending these certain neighborhoods. You've got, you know... All the rest of this stuff, the symbols just keep flowing. I don't think there's ever a stop to those symbols. And that's what gives rise to the competition in the market, is the ability to sigilize what people find okay, protective. I've got an externality for you on it. Okay. So at what point, when one of the Mick Warlord factions starts coercing the people within its area and won't allow them to leave... What's what regulatory force should be implemented? Like, what what point should the other Mick warlords band together and stop something going on in the Chaz zone or whatever they set up there? That's a really good question. I think uh, it would come down to um, what the customers are looking for in the competing institutions. For example, let's say there's a group who wants to extricate themselves from that area, and the only way that they can do that is by having the competing McWarlord come in and breach the uh, uh, perimeter and allow them to flee. Well, at that point, I would say that the um, insurance that those people have garnered at that point should be weighed against the value of having those I mean, customers that flee. Point or long before that right? point, what I'd be thinking is what have we created and why? What what is the benefit of this? What what has it created that is better than what is right now? It has such the propensity to go into that where you would need some external external warlord to go and defend the rights of the people in the I, I, I'm just not understanding what, but we have warlords now. They dress in blue and they wear shiny badges. No, we have one warlord. There's only one of them. That's the state. That's right. the problem. So there's no one that can go in and tell the state to fuck off. But in this theoretical Mick warlord scenario, at what point should the other warlords? start just doming on whoever the fuck is oppressing their area. If it's anarchy, then who's, like... Right. And I think it comes down to game theory, right? In game theory, you're going to have to wonder about how much coercion you can get away with before all the other ones see that as a vulnerability. Right? So, 
once you understand that there's a certain threshold of vulnerability for your ability to coerce all the people within your region, then you start to fucking back off, right? Or, I mean, or, or you game theory is not a fucking mystery. We've been using it. I, I really don't think it's going to go with people backing off. I think it's going to be with these bunches of prison gangs that we've created. A couple of them are going to start getting into, hey, if we just help each other out. We can here's here's the problem. Second. Here's the problem with the comparison with the prison gangs. Here's the problem with the comparison to the prison gangs. The prison gangs are automatically coerced because they're in a very centralized that's location true. and it's state that's why things are exactly that the pressure that's put on them causes them to become more racist than they would otherwise and you can see that in every well, so i don't disagree you disagree with that, with that? <laughs> right so what we're saying is we allow the maximum amount of choice and therefore the um, minimum amount of coercion goes down. Here's another point. It almost sounds like it would be a free market Soviet Union where one mega uh, warlord would buy up a bunch of smaller ones and then just implement the same oppressive stuff there. If, if they were buying up all the other competing interests, they would have to also buy up all of the insurance policies. Because the insurance policies are meant to protect the policy holders. So there, there becomes a point where they're not able to afford the entire insurance well, yeah, policy. Now, the now in tightly compacted... They controlled the whole economy but couldn't supply it, so they ended up falling apart. It's just the free market version of that. How, how do you, let me ask, how do you implement, how do you create, well, how does it, this come to be? Because... I have my own ideas, but I'd really like to hear Chaz is Chaz on ideas. how they would create like a free market Soviet Union. No, no, how you would create the anarcho warlordism system that we've been talking about oh, the whole time. I mean, I, I'm I have no idea. This is a complete theoretical. This is not a hill I will die on. This is just a very fun thought. But I, mean, I, I will give you I that. Mean, it is a fun thought. Out. It is a fun thing to, 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 to think about yeah. and process and talk about. I mean, starting from scratch, it would just... All right, do you want to know how it's going to happen? I cut Chad off. Let me, let me hear him finish uh, what he was saying. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to... I mean, starting from scratch, I imagine it would just be like a big fucking game of Minecraft where everyone would have to start punching trees and eventually create wood sticks to beat each other with. All right, no, okay, here's how it's going to happen. Right now, we have several different um, uh, cryptocurrency firms working on what's called the cryptocurrency lottery problem. Do you know about the not, lottery problem? I do not know about the lottery problem. All right, the lottery problem is figuring out a way to create gambling on a blockchain. So, in a trustless system, you would have to have an algorithm payout based off of the number you've chosen in relationship to the random number chosen by the algorithm. Now, it's very hard to create a trust, trustless system 
like that, which makes lotteries even more hilarious because they're probably all rigged. And even though they're all rigged, here's the thing. Uh, somebody's getting that payout and probably they're associated with the, with the government as, as it stands. For instance, uh, Jeffrey Epstein won the lottery in Oklahoma and he has a ranch, I think in Arizona where the Clintons came to stay several fucking weeks. Interesting, right? So the guy is fucking that corrupt, right? They just fucking funneled all that lottery money into him. But the, uh, the crypto lottery problem is this. If you can create a lottery that will pay out 100% based off of the algorithm of all of the people who have entered into that lottery, then you can also create an insurance system that will pay out based off of how your shit was injured by somebody else who is insured by that lottery system. The lottery system is identical to the insurance system, system of the prison gangs that you would right? describe so being implemented in the anarcho-warlogism concept. Any insurance. But it would, in this, in this situation, ha- be, based, doing be based on that analogy that you gave, right? Right. Any insurance system at all is based off of it. It's not just anarcho-warlogism. It's Okay, so if this is a way of describing how would you get, how you would Your get shit any is insurance up. system together, how does this describe how anarcho-warlordism would come to be? That's what I'm getting at. If you can pay out the damages immediately, then somebody else will collect based off of how they produce justice in that system. For instance, if you've got assets that can be seized because you fucked somebody else over and you don't show up at court, therefore, that guy gets paid when he can retrieve your assets. That sounds like bounty hunters. For... (laughs) It is. Yeah, but for there to be bounty hunters, there still has to be a government in place. So it can't be an arc of warlordism. No, there, there has to be a bounty. When somebody gets paid based off of the verified well, okay, evidence about real that bounty hunter produced or, uh, justice. Uh, uh, like action hero bounty hunter. I'm talking about the guys who can... Uh, the people who go and enforce uh, bail. Retrieve property. That's part of it. Well, are like, you what is bail? privatized... You didn't show up because you did say courts. So if they're not privatized, then that assumes government influence somewhere. Well, look, the investigators have to be able to have an input in the system, right? Investigators have to show that there is verifiable evidence that something happened and that something has evidence that somebody else acted upon it. Right? So once you've proven X, Y, and Z, then you can start to pursue the recoup of 
the wealth that's who been lost. the wealth from the offender in an anarchic situation? Who, how does someone have access to, uh, what's said that this, uh, the offender is in this insurance uh, setup? Well, what we're, what we're doing is we're assuming that the person is resisting at every level any sort of contact with the court. That's not necessarily the case, right? If they would approve themselves to be innocent, then they if could show only, up and present the their own evidence. The only thing that they evidence. get out of proving themselves innocent is that evidence. they get a, a bunch of people that say, yes, we also agree that you're innocent. And if they don't go to prove that they're innocent, then... Well, that's not true because right now, right now we have counter lawsuits for right liable now. and defamation. That happens because no, but here's why liable and defamation exists is because you can lie about someone's damage to your property and still cause them harm. If you cause them harm by lying about them, therefore they're uh, entitled to recompense. I just don't see how that... You see what I'm saying? So the system has checks and balances as it is without anarchism. If you were to make it more like anarchism, there would be more checks and balances to create an incentive to not lie about other people in the case of, let's say, a crackhead who has his shit stolen versus... A guy who is, you know, driving an $80,000 car who gets lied about. There are incentives there that exist already. The problem is, the problem is, when you're charged with a victimless crime, it becomes behooved of the state alone to recoup all of the fucking charges and all of the fucking payments that they feel they're entitled to. I, I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm struggling I'm to saying? find There's no basis. There's no basis for recouping a victimless crime law. Do you understand that? There's no incentive other than to create wealth for yourself. You cannot do that under a well, what is if, anarchic system. What is this anarchic system if not just for the word anarchy thrown in front of it? What, what makes this an anarchist system? The, the system that you've created sounds like a very complex structure that is completely analogous. How do you pay for insurance? In How do you this pay for insurance? situation, in today's, in the, the world today, what, what, are we, what are we asking? You pay for insurance because you have more to lose, and if you, don't you have, and you, you, do as the government says because you have more to lose if you don't. I. No, 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 no. If you've got, if you've got a car that you use to transport your family in, you are going to want to have affordable insurance. In case yeah, so something happens, just, and you just have as to cover I believe that uh, insurance in an anarcho-capitalist anarcho situation will create itself, um, I, I believe that, and I believe that uh, uh, people will uh, 
will create uh, companies that purpose is to protect, to offer its ability to defend you. That's something that I see will be created. Insurance will be created, but to, 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 to base a structure off of anarcho-warlordism, where you're assuming that the people who are going to then get control of this anarchist society are the people who have the, the ability to offer force, then you're assuming that your anarchist society is just going to drift further and further to the state that we currently have. Why? Well, see, I don't, I don't believe that. I think that I think that more firms would uh, look at the benefits with. Uh, cooperating between firms while retaining autonomy than they would by subsuming themselves to somebody else's autonomous region. And if you look at the geographic um, relationship between these uh, autonomous firms, you would find that it would be more beneficial for I these different that. firms to cooperate with don't think i would I, I i i hate to say it, ben but that sounds <laughs> I, it sounds rather naive how many people could you possibly support within your own area without being how sued many people in your area could you support damages? without being sued for damages um, right because you're not fulfilling your end of the contract. Uh, what? Oh, I, I kind of see what you're saying. You're saying how many people could you defend without risking losing all of your capital by being sued because you had too many people you couldn't protect? Right. These are voluntary contracts, so therefore both parties would come into liability if you didn't fucking what, do what you what said is the, you would How do. can this liability be I, I still don't see how just having it set up as insurance means that the person who who can wield all the force is going to is that all the force because you are now uh, dependent upon how your are you customers that's a sense of force. The incentives, because if they don't go with you, they'll go with someone so else. So you get, you get the mindset that where people are trying. To you don't get things. You don't there. get the ability to say it, it, nobody else can operate. How much force do you have to say nobody else in this region is capable of uh, defending you if? I feel like you owe me money. This this goes back to what his question was before. How do you extricate people who are being co coerced? I assuming the whole how do you do that? Well, guess what? Into, There's a large pool. Like, of money. I get it. If you want to have a wheat farm that you defend, and you can really fucking say, "I want to defend this wheat farm, and I've got the the military to do it," then yeah, do that. But why are we assuming that this is going to be the global structure of Tons of little wheat farms that will each other. Oh, see, 
I'm not saying it will be. What I'm saying is the underserviced community can turn to crypto um, lotteries. And the crypto lotteries are, in essence, insurance policies. You see what I'm saying? The underserviced market, which is a guarantee under a state system, will say, how do we make sure that our investments are paid off at least in some amount? They'll say, well, we can go with the state system or we can go with the algorithm that will pay out immediately. Well, it wouldn't be immediate. That's anyway. where I'm would at. still have to go through a redress process in the court system to get authorization to use whatever lottery system to recover what was stolen. Not necessarily, because you're talking about algorithmic evidence. If 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 a AI can see the difference between one structure before and one structure after, and notice whether or not things have been wait, wait, altered wait. Back. I... on their own or so you're saying free that, that of incidents. The, the determination you're taking the courts out of the equation you're saying it's not a court that makes the decision instead it's an ai looking at trends i think uh it would be both because uh you would have to have a different input factor but i think initially what you would want to do is be able to have that payment this, this is almost evolved from North Sentinelese right? feudalism into RoboCop feudalism. Like, that that's what this sounds like at this yeah. point. Well, RoboCop feudalism is interesting because of the fact that the cops were the ones creating the problem. You've analogized right? these warlords that is, are what if pretending <laughs> as, well, there are the cops right now, so... You're just calling it a different thing. No, no, no. Here's the difference. The cops right now don't give a fuck about profit, property damage. Yes. That's not part of their fucking equation. They don't give a shit. The difference is, right now, if you had a different system where people who are underserviced could give their reports and then have an AI say, well, I'm going to look at the pattern in the area and then possibly hire somebody to give me more information about these different things and then pay out over time. You would see a decrease in property crime. Well, here's an issue with that. Because Every time you altered your own property, you would have to register it with some sort of system so that it didn't automatically pick up property damage. So then you're really enslaving yourself to some sort of... Well, yeah, at first. ...that you have to give every single change you want to make to your property to. At first, but again, you, you would have to uh, take the damage versus the valuation. Right. If you're increasing the valuation through certain means and you could prove that. I think the people hired 
through AI processes to submit reports and counter reports. Again, we're talking about complete collapse. Like complete here, right? Like we've complete collapse. AI completely at this point. We've already done that. I mean, that's what Facebook is. That's what Twitter is. Yeah, I mean, I mean we're already level, there. But not at the point where it has a constant view. Well, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, they kind of do have a constant view of everything we're doing already. Right. And they can choose what is or is not what they feel like is a crime. Here's the difference. If you've actually insured yourself with a contract on an AI on a separate system, there's going to have to be some sort of recompense or else nobody would be incentivized to do so. Okay. Yeah, it's it's starting to make sense, but it still just sounds like the government has almost just become math. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how, like, meta or stupid that sounds, but it just sounds like the government now is an algorithm. No, no, algorithm. you're right, because the government now is an algorithm, right? The problem is, is we're not capable of seeing that because of the fact that value is not viewed in such a way. Right, we don't think about property crime as an so algorithm. It is like these are patterns. Do. These go over. Instead of waiting until the robots get self-aware and decide that we need to be enslaved for our own good, we should just give it to them before it comes to. Not, we don't want a bloody war. We're not where the robots are slaughtering us for our own good so they can keep us in control. Let's just give it to them before they need to. We are not capable of taking care of ourselves, apparently. There is no there is no AI algorithm that will ever become self-aware. That's the problem. Is people think that such a thing really is possible. But to, to be able There's to always a person no, behind I'm, the program. I'm completely with you on that. Like I really don't think anything autonomous will ever be possible because every algorithm is just a preset way for the computer to respond to certain input. Even if it learns, all right. it's doing is That's all what AI is, is. pruning off certain uh, potential outputs based on whatever you designed it to do. Like at the end of the day, even if it's learning, it's really just pruning off what you already told it to prune off where that input produces a negative output. And, uh, I mean, it it's, it's not really right. It, it, the way AI is being developed, it is able to start learning. Is it able to be aware? Is it able to be sentient? No, but is it able to start learning and operate as if it were yes because we are getting good enough at programming things that are starting to be able to grow we can we can we have taught things to learn once we've taught something to learn yes it can do that i i i wholly disagree with the both of you it cannot become autonomous i cannot become sentient but it can become autonomous Right. Well, here's the alternative. All right. We have mutual aid societies that have set up alternative democratic systems. And those alternative democratic systems are capable of providing what a community needs 
without having the coercion that a normal Mutual state provides. Society, be a uh, less brings coercion. the image of a lot less coercion than the word warlord to me. I can get down with mutual aid society and people coming together in groups to start supporting each other and figuring out how they can support one another. And yes, defend one another if need be. But the sigil of mutual aid society but here's the here's the problem. The sigil is with a mutual aid society that you have to buy into a certain belief system. Always. I've never found a mutual aid society that did not have an operating system that was not an independent belief system. So then you come down to the religion problem. And I would much rather deal personally with an AI problem as opposed to a religion Just because of what I know about history. Then, yeah, maybe we do just need to be ruled by our computers. I think the dude will talk about that a little bit. and there was Here's the thing. I don't think it's a one or the other. I don't think it's a one or the other situation. I think the two will strengthen each other. I think it's a steel sharpened steel situation. I think that one will create certain incentives and the other will create certain incentives. And where they meet, you're going to find that these two systems that try to operate without the minimum amount of coercion that happens under a state, you they know will what? create something that works better. An AI system That's why anarchism is better. Start making decisions better than politicians and start and 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 start looking at the input from that system. I'm all for that. Take the advice. Look at the advice of a computer. But it seems like the the situation that you described uh, a little bit ago is a lot more than hey, let's look at the advice of the computer and just say, hey, let's let the computer be the government and get rid of the government. That seems. I think I think that's an oversimplification. I think what we're talking about is is a cost benefit analysis that translates into dollars and cents as opposed to translating into bullets and beatings, right? If if something is going to cost more, then it should cost more. If something is going to cost less, then it should cost less. And these things are the things that create incentives, right? Whereas with a mutual aid society, you have certain defined uh, intrinsic obligations because you've been sworn into it. And I think the two will act upon each other in a You're beneficial way. You understand what I mean? A an obligation costs an obligation costs a certain amount of time and energy, right? A cost, where it comes to economic benefit, will will cost a certain amount of time and energy. These things are cooperative. I think they're not mutually exclusive. A lot of people feel that uh, the economic benefits and the economic costs are mutually exclusive to feeling that humanity is important. 
humanity is important. These are things that have costs. They will meet up, and I do not feel like they would be in conflict. I feel like if I was to propose something where it comes to less coercion than the state and a more humanistic person proposed a um, an initiation that would be based around what you do in that certain field, it would have a certain cost, have a certain amount of time that's related with it. And I think the two acting in the same spheres will create a new paradigm. No, no, look, you can eliminate one from the other, and the fact that they both exist... Yeah, the mutual aid society and the AI, both are obligations. Both have economic costs, right? As they act on each other, you're going to see people diverge and submerge. I'm about removing labels and creating synergy. I know it sounds fucking corporate as shit. But removing labels and creating synergy is what I'm about. And if you can do that through a mutual aid society, through entitlements and benefits, through initiations, good for you. You know I'm trying to write a book on that. If you can do the same thing through AIs and economic cost-benefit analysis, my God, more power to you. These things are going to come together and act in a synergistic way, period. They have to, because they're not coercive. These are just the costs associated. Everything has a cost associated with it. Even now, as we're talking, the cost is associated. Everybody feels it. If you're listening right now, you are feeling the cost, period. We can do this. We don't need coercion. Right. I don't think we need coercion. And I really want to just be an advocate for less coercion. That is what I want to do with my voice is just say less coercion. I hear some of the stuff that's been talked about, though, and it sounds like more coercion. And Yeah, I'm definitely not sold on the AI. Warlordism. <laughs> Warlordism comes down to cost-benefit analysis. It really does. Whether it's AI or not, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to measure the cost-benefit analysis. That's where we're at. So here's the thing. You either allow the maximum amount of inputs or you do not. And right now, they do not. I believe there should be more inputs. Whether it's warlordism or AIs, I don't give a fuck. Give me more inputs. 
let me make my own decisions. Just let me be left the fuck alone as long as I leave everyone else the fuck alone. I can definitely get behind leave me the fuck alone as long as I want to. Was right. that leave everyone else the fuck alone? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Just let me vibe as long as I don't vibe Good. check anyone else. That's my entire, like, that's my hill I will die on. Just leave my vibes alone. I don't know, man. I think it's going to take a lot of vibe checks before we get to a point where we can say, leave me the fuck alone. It's going to come... It's going to come down to the people who are coming into our exactly. house and, and deserving if, if vibe checks. If there are to be vibe checks, let them come in my day so my children can vibe uninterrupted. There you go. The, what, I'm, what I'm looking forward to is hopefully a day Amen. when we can all be like, hey, leave me the fuck alone and I'll leave you the fuck alone and let's... This was a great episode. Like, I am drunk right oh, now. Yeah. I'm drunk as fuck. I was worried it was just 10. me. I killed, I killed a six-pack of Stella right before I got on, and I was worried I was going to be the I'm not as heavy a drinker as y'all, but I'm I'm much more oh than Oh, my I God, no. Free for all Friday, guys. Now, I'm all about... I'm all about spiritualism, and I feel like when you're drinking... I feel like the spirit is slowed down, right? It's slowed down. It's it's capable of being processed by more people and you can you can laugh at it. That's very important because not being able to laugh at the spirit is very very detrimental. Because if you look at well, Hitler, nobody's laughing. Didn't get any at Nazis Hitler. on the nobody's chat. Laughing you promised that Stalin, we could we could torture right? Nazis. <laughs> How can you not look, dude? I tried. I tried to get Nazis, man. I I posted the thing. I'm gonna have to call. I'm gonna have to call the Nazis gay next time on the free for all Friday. I will call the Nazis gay, and they will come here and they will yell at me. I definitely like this episode, Chad. It has been great chatting with you. Thanks for having me. It's been a good time. Absolutely. I like anarcho warlordism. I like the directions you can go with it. I think we, there's we more than one direction. The idea of an anarcho vibe so, society. I, anarcho vibe society. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah.